My name is Christy Duff, and I have a passion for the Word of God. I've seen the way that a daily dose of the one-year Bible has changed my life, and I know that it can change, affect, and impact every day we live. Hey guys, I wish we were all together drinking some kind of amazing coffee and hanging out face-to-face and talking and I can't wait until heaven because I think that's what it will be like, right? Just being in the presence of God and in full fellowship with each other. And I'm sure since God grew the coffee bean that there's going to be some kind of amazing heavenly French press. I don't know what there'll be, but I bet it'll be great. And I pray that today, regardless of your circumstances, that you would just find yourself basking in the love of Jesus and pressing into his presence. Because isn't that the most beautiful thing about our God is that he is an ever-present help in time of need, regardless of what our circumstances look like or what our day looks like or what the day you're headed into looks like, we know that God is more than enough. And, you know, we're in Leviticus right now in the one-year Bible. And I just keep thinking about the fact that God is so present and so aware and his heart has been for humanity since the day that Adam took his first breath. And all of these things that we read about in the book of Leviticus are just a provision for a way back into the presence of God until it was time for the Messiah to come and to be our sacrifice. And praise God, we're done with the blood of bulls and goats. And I think we talked about it already on this, but I am so grateful not to be back in this time. I'm so grateful that I'm not having to hold entrails and put blood over on this part of of my body or the altar and, you know, my my adorable little old English version of the Bible this year. It just keeps talking about Moses and Aaron flinging blood all over the place. I'm like, oh, wow, what a picture. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that we don't have to have the sacrifices of bulls and goats, that we are covered by the blood of Jesus and that he makes a way for us. And reading in the last couple of days, I just keep going back to the truth of God's presence and the truth of God's love for us. You know, reading this morning in Leviticus 13, and it's honestly a little bit too much to stomach in the morning reading about all the different colors of hairs and sores and what it's supposed to look like. But it honestly hits me a different way, too. As a lot of you know, I'm struggling with a lot of autoimmune issues and disorders and a lot of the ones that I have manifest in skin problems and I've got sores and blisters and scaly skin and rashes and it's just gross and you know just thinking about these ones who had to basically fess up they had to come to the tabernacle and get real with the priest and just say listen i've got an issue going on and i don't know if it's contagious and i don't know if it's leprosy and that in and of itself took a lot because they had no idea how that would turn out 
and they would get put in isolation for seven days like God commanded the priest to do. And the priest would examine their skin and examine the sores and examine the hairs within the skin and the sores. And yes, ministry is a lot of examining what we'd rather not touch, and that's for another day. (laughs) But, you know, I just keep thinking today about those people who were in isolation for seven days not knowing if they would lose everything, not knowing if their entire lives would change. You know, reading the description about what they were to do if it was leprosy, if it was an infectious skin disease. My version, it says in Leviticus chapter 13, that one who suffers from a malignant skin disease shall wear his clothes torn, leave his hair disheveled, conceal his upper lip, and cry out, unclean, unclean. So long as a sore persists, he shall be considered ritually unclean. The man is unclean. He shall live apart and must stay outside of the settlement. And I think maybe it's just hitting me extra hard this time around in Leviticus because so much of my heart can identify with what they were going through. You know, this year I've changed homes. I'm not in my husband's church. Um, You know, my friends are far away. Two of my kids are grown. Like there's, there can just be so much loss and I just really felt what these people were feeling. And I am so blessed and I'm not trying to be whiny. I think I said this a couple times ago, but you know, just obviously we read the Bible and it's living and it's powerful and God wants it to enter into our everyday lives. And so for me today, sitting with these people who were just waiting in the tabernacle to find out what would happen to them, to see if they would lose everything. I mean, if they had to walk around and and basically be a mess and cry out unclean, unclean. Can you imagine the shame and the loneliness of this moment? That they had truly lost everything. That they were cast out. They were the outcasts. They, their entire world changed. Their entire surroundings were done away with. They lost everything. And yet as I was reading this, I just kept in my heart going back to those precious lepers who cried out to Jesus that if he was willing, he could cleanse them, that that yes, their entire lives had been changed seemingly for the worse, seemingly for loneliness' sake. And yet they knew when they saw Jesus that one touch from him and their entire lives could change again. And, you know, we can't stop difficult situations from coming into our lives. There's times of waiting. Maybe you identify with the one who's just waiting, waiting in the tabernacle to find out what will become of their lives. And maybe you're just waiting on God to figure out, is he going to work a miracle? Is everything going to be okay? Or is everything going to change? And maybe you're in that time. Maybe everything has changed for you. Maybe things are different than you ever thought that they would be. Maybe things just look bleak and lonely and difficult. 
But precious friends, one touch from our God who is more than able, more than enough, more than sufficient, who is our ever-present help in time of need, and our lives that have changed for the bad can be changed for the good with one touch of him. And I think that we saw that over and over in Mark in the last couple of days. I love this quote from Elizabeth Elliot, and she knew a little bit about your life turning out different than you thought it would, right? And Elizabeth Elliot, she said, loneliness is one of God's pulleys. It is a call to prayer, this condition of my earthly existence from which I cannot extricate myself is the very ground of my prayer because I am lonely and afflicted. I have a reason to hope for divine help. God is in the business of coming to the aid of those who know their need and ask him to meet it. And I love that she brings out both of those things because we have to know our need And we have to ask Jesus to meet it. I think that we saw both of these things in in Mark in the last couple of days with a woman who had the great issue of blood for 12 years. And it said that she had tried every doctor and spent every ounce of money that she had. And to no avail, she was still desperately sick and she also was unclean. She also would have had to be alone. She would have been unclean to anyone who touched her. She would have known that she was taking a chance of making Jesus unclean by touching the hem of his garment if she touched him at all. She was taking a chance of Jesus being disgusted at her. She was taking a chance of the crowd being appalled that she was in their midst. And yet in her desperation, she calls out to Jesus in her faith. And she quietly sneaks to the hem of his garment. And Jesus calls her out because he wanted her to own her moment and to know that she was loved. And maybe you carry shame today and desperation and and fear of rejection and fear of crowds. And maybe you're quietly trying to sneak to God, precious one. Could you know that he's calling you to come publicly because he wants to change your life forever? And Jesus, in this moment, he was on his way to Jairus' house to, to heal his daughter. And, and God knew exactly what to touch in the life of this synagogue leader to make him desperate enough to run to Jesus. I mean, how long, I wonder, had he thought about that? Should I go to Jesus? Should I risk my reputation? Should I risk everything that people know about me, think about me? all that I think that I am in order to save my child. And he did. He got desperate enough to go to Jesus. And in a time where everyone thought that all was lost, that it was way too late, that hope should be given up on, Jesus still comes to the house to save, to heal, to change the life of Jairus and his daughter forever. We have to know 
what our need is, even if it takes some wrestling like Jacob with the presence of God in Genesis. We have to know what our need is. And sometimes that takes seven days of silence in a room just with Jesus. Some days that takes just waiting on him because we think we know what the problem is. But a lot of times, I don't know if you feel like this, but I've noticed in me that what I think is the problem is not actually the problem. That there's a root cause to it all. That there's a root sin or a root feeling that I haven't dealt with or a root rejection that I felt in the past. And not that we need to go into the past, But we do need to sit before God in silence. I mean, you think about the ones who were sitting in that room, in that tabernacle for seven days. No cell phones, no TV, no other people. I would imagine that they went deep with God. (laughs) And maybe for some of us, we have to know what our need is. And that's going to take some quiet time. That's going to take some time off of our phones. Turn off the podcast and listen to Jesus. Maybe wait a second. It's going to take some time off of our phones, away from our TVs, away from the noise of other people and just getting silent before God and in our desperation, in our loneliness. God, what is it that you want to do? What is it that you notice in me? Like David cried out in Psalm 139, search me and know me and try me and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me to the way everlasting some openness, some confession, even as the ones with the skin problems, having to own up to the priest. Listen, I've got this issue. Can you help me? Coming before our great, high, merciful priest and saying, God, could you help me? Confessing our sin so that he can cleanse us and change us and then crying out to him for help and This is also what I wanted to talk about today because this is what happened in the book of Mark. And you guys know the story if you're reading through the one-year Bible or not when the disciples and Jesus were in the boat and they're rowing across the, the lake and And the storm breaks through and Jesus is asleep at the bottom of the boat and his disciples are rowing like crazy and they're trying everything that they can think of. And finally, they cry out, Master, we are sinking. Do you not care? And I think what we see in this story is what I know at least I see in myself so often. That I tend to lean on self-sufficiency and self-reliance instead of just crying out to Jesus at the very get-go of the storm. I don't know about you, but at the very first drop of life's storms, the very first raindrop, the very first wind blow, I want to get so good at crying out to Jesus right away because all that happens when we rely on our self-sufficiency and when we rely on our own strength and our own ingenuity is that we end up doubting the care of God. Elizabeth Elliot again, she said, God is in the business of coming to the aid of those who know their need and ask him to meet it. And I pray that you and I would get so quick 
at running to the tabernacle, running to our high priest, running to the one who all the disciples needed to do was say, hey, Jesus, it's about to rain. What do you want us to do? And instantly he could have said, hush, peace, be still. And that storm could have stopped instead of them trying and trying and being so desperate and being so anxious and being so worried and being so fearful. I want to have faith. Faith that is instantaneously crying out to God. And then the last one that I wanted to talk about today is in the book of Mark. It was today's reading in the one-year Bible, and it was in the hometown of Jesus. And they were offended at him, and you guys know this story. They were offended because they knew his brothers, and they knew his sisters, and they were offended, and so it said that he could not work any great works, and he was taken aback by their lack of faith, and I never want that to be something that I have, and maybe it was just because they hadn't grown desperate enough. They hadn't yet seen their need for him. They hadn't yet known what Jesus could do for him, whether it was because they were too familiar or too offended or thought that he was younger or thought that they just knew him, whatever it was, whatever it was, it kept them from crying out to him. And I just want to encourage you today, whatever it is, whether how tiny or how large something is in us that might be keeping us from crying out to God, precious ones, it is not worth it. I pray that we would feel that call to prayer, that we would let God use trials, loneliness, change, desperation, rejection, the loss of everything, financial problems, family problems, health problems, whatever it might be, to cause us to cry out to the one who can calm the wind and the waves with a single word. Thanks for listening and tuning in to the Growing in the Sun podcast. Don't miss out. Subscribe, and I'll see you here next time. Let your words burn deep in my heart.